0: Happy Sabbath and welcome. I think this is a unique time uh, unique is maybe a very not strong enough of a word it's a very it 's a time where it 's stressful and, and tense and uh, uh, and all of us are going through changes and in fact, this week um, I was just chatting with my friends uh, pastoral friends like this whole period of time is challenging us and asking us what is church is church coming to this building, at this address at this time of the week? Uh, Or is it how we're going to function maybe as a new norm, uh, having church, virtual church for those who are joining us online and those of who can make it being here physically? What is church? And also it challenges us to ask, uh, especially during this time, what is the Sabbath? For those who are stuck at home, you know, on the LOA, SHN, all these, we love acronyms, huh? Uh, quarantine order, stay home notice, uh, leave of absence, um, they don't have to work, right? There's rest, is that Sabbath? And then, like, then what's special about Saturday? And uh, so I was saying, you know, one thing that's different is those on LOA or stay home notice, you guys are rested physically, but Sabbath is God challenging us to rest mentally, emotionally, spiritually in Him. And I uh, like what James said just now, that it's about a, a, a submission, handing over control to God. And I think Sabbath reminds us that we are creatures, not creators. That at a certain point in our lives that is there that are things that's beyond our control that we have to submit to God. So welcome and I'm glad you join us. Topic for this week is lockdown, church beyond the walls. And So I was talking about uh, the LOA, the SHNQ. We have some of our, our family members who are going to be coming home Wednesday. We're glad. I'm glad they make it. Uh, I was talking to Techni, and Techni's online. Hi, Techni. They so said, Newman made it out of India on the last flight. The last flight before they closed India. You know? So we're glad they could come home. And, and the truth is, the next few weeks, we're going to have more cases. Because our family members, our friends are coming home. And they've got infected overseas. But, uh, you know, I was chatting with a friend who is currently on a stay home notice. Uh, he's like, I'm so glad I'm in Singapore. I don't want to go back to where I was working at. So I'd rather stay here. It's safer here. Um, and uh, it's amazing because uh, a few months ago, people think Singapore is beyond hope. We've lost control. There have been so many cases. And uh, my U.S. friends are like, dude, we beat you in two days. You know, <laughs> that's something you can win. I don't want to win this one. <laughs> you know? I was with uh, our aircon service guy. He's a contractor who comes and service our aircon, and uh, it, it, it breaks down every so often that I think he actually works here full time now. No, he doesn't. <laughs> but I see him almost every other day. Um, he was with me when the news broke. When Malaysia says we're going to lock down Malaysia. And, and uh, yeah, nobody's allowed to travel and commute daily. I looked at him, i like, do you live in JB? And he looked at me, yes, I do. And the news just came out at that point, and he's like, I'm then he said, I'm pretty sure they're going to say those who are working, who are in essential services and the students will be exempted. Then the next piece of news came while he was still with me. I said, no, it just came out. You're not exempted. And then he went, "Oh, no! I, like, I have to go home. I have family to take care of. I have to go back. But if I go back, I can't come back for 14 days. If I don't work, I have no income. How am I going to support my family?" You know, a lot of us are, are, are more blessed than we realize. You know, I was at Giant buying watermelon for Tiffany because she suddenly had a craving for watermelon. I went there, and there were so many. I had to take a picture. And send it to my Australian friends, guys. Not only do I do we have toilet paper, I have watermelon, in a plenty. Send it to my UK friends, send it to my American friends. My sister-in-law went and gave up. Of course, she, there was a thousand people in front of her in Costco, trying to grab supplies. So I think be thankful. You know, we are we are we're privileged. we we're. we're, we're more blessed than others. But the thing is, in a lockdown, it affects us mentally. This week I've been in so many meetings. It's not funny with various organizations and people and, and just getting texts nonstop and questions about what's going to happen. And, and it is understandable. Understandable. It is a very stressful time. And, and this thing that comes out is anxiety. it It seems like we're almost like losing control because it's something we can't do anything about and then we're like, we're just waiting and waiting and what is the next step? And Singaporean hates that. There's no checklist. What do we do next? Don't know. What do you mean don't know? It's really hard. Like, we like to be in control. We were told that at a certain age, you go to kindergarten, and when at a certain age, at seven years old, you go to primary school. At primary school, my time, okay? Now it's a bit better, I hope. Uh, primary three, you'll you be, you be streamed once, and then and then later on, PSI will stream you again. And then, based on your quality of your brain, you get to select which school you get to go to based on different bands. And then my grade may allow me to go to this school, and I go to the secondary school. And sec two, they, they tell me you have to be... Selected again whether you're good enough and then you get to Sec 4 and then they tell you O-Level determines your future But then I go O-Level and then, and then, and then there is you go, you go to the J, 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 JC, you go to Poly and then you go to University. It's all laid out And then you graduate And you're at a loss. That's actually me. I, I call my mom I'm like what do I do now mom? You said you told me for my entire life graduate University. I did. I just did. Mom like, I don't know. Singapore <laughs> government never tell us what to do after that. Like, Make sure your kids get gets to the university, man. get a good job. Um, anxiety, we like to be in control, we like to have a checklist. Even, even this week for church, you know, they ins- issued MCCY, MOH, and uh, our conference they have checklists, and then this is what you must do, this is what you must fulfill. But all, all these things actually don't do a lot. Deep down emotionally in our house, it's just like, we're still not really improving the situation, we're still at a loss. And the word for anxiety comes from the word, the Greek word ananke. Ananke is from the is actually a Greek god, goddess, who is the goddess of slavery. Slavery. And this word is the grand grandfather, grandmother of a lot of words, including anger, and as I said, and an anxiousness, anxiety. But the word in itself actually means a, a choke, a on your neck. It means somebody grabbing your neck and squeezing tighter and tighter and tighter. That's Doesn't it feel like anxiety? I think there's a medical thing where your chest feels very tense and it's also from this word. Uh, And it's interesting, there's no physical thing that's affecting us, but yet we feel really pressured when anxiety hits us. And then we're just like, oh, we can't function. And and then we go into craziness, we go into dysfunctionality. I'm going to list out 11 things that happens to you when you're hit with anxiety. It decreases our capacity to learn. And that's very scary in terms of anxiety and, 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 and because you're, you, there's still so much information bombarding you, but you can't differentiate what's real and what's not, because you can't learn. It replaces curiosity, which is a normal form of humanity you want to grow and to learn, to you just want certainty. You want everything to be crystal clear, transparent, cement. You want it to know definitely how to function. It stiffens our position over against one another. You know, I always thought that Singaporeans were racist but not that racist. But unfortunately, this week, Tiffany and I experienced that. They thought she was from China. And they asked her to go home. Into our face. In Singapore. by another Chinese. And I asked him, your grandparents are not from China. It causes people to take a strong... Stand and act very differently. from. I don't think he represents the majority, but there are them. Because of anxiety, they're acting out differently. It interrupts our concentration. You can't focus. Especially now, I get Telegram, WhatsApp update, boop, 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 government SG update, boop, boop, boop. And now, there's one more thing that is the, the, what is it called again? Uh, Trace together. Please install it. It's really good. It saves and helps all of us. This app tells you whether there's somebody near you that has something really bad, and it warns you so you can run. (laughs) Nah, it's not that, but it's good. Please install it, right? And it floods the nervous system so that we cannot hear what is said without distortion or cannot respond with clarity. You don't hear people anymore. You don't process things properly because you're anxious. You're caught up in anxiety. It, it simplifies ways of thinking. Everything becomes yes or no. Do this or do that. Option one or option two. There is no alternative. There's no creative solution. Open church or shut down church. We have church online. La. You know, my friends now are, are interesting. They've got community groups. This is not in Singapore. It's in the US. Um, they have one person preaching to an empty room and everybody gathers in the closest, biggest house available. And then the, the host... Turn on the TV, everybody watches, and then they have a discussion afterwards. That sounds pretty cool. So this is not about open church or closed church. It promotes a desire for quick fix. First cousin of what I just said. If you do this, it will be okay. Really? Let's grab all the toilet papers. They will last us for 65 years. Why do you need so many toilet paper? <laughs> it arouses feelings of helplessness or self-doubt. You're like, oh, I can't fix this, Oh useless, helpless. I'm not sure about myself. It leads to an array of defensive behavior. Protect yourself, my way, me first. Do not consider others. I'll just speak to that a little bit. You know, a lot of young people who are on LOA, Man, they're not on leave of absence. They're on LOP, leave of play. Everywhere. You know, I hear them, I was I was I was walking past McDonald's and there were just so many people there. And they were talking, yeah, I'm on LOA. And in my mind, like, why are you in McDonald's then? And then these other guys said, Yeah, we young people won't be infected. Even if we're infected, we'll be okay. At this point I turned around and say, but old people like me will die from you. And they were shocked. <laughs> It's true, like, you take care of yourself, but what if you pass it to an older person who gets it and suffer and goes to hospital, right? It leads to, uh, sorry, it diminishes flexibility in response to life's challenges. Like, when things happen, when suddenly something changes, you don't know how to react. And, and, and for most of us, we just want to have Instruction. Right? have the instruction and you don't even process the instruction. And it creates imaginative gridlock, not being able to think of alternative options or new perspective. That's the first cousin of not being able to be creative. So anxiety causes our brain to function like that. It causes us to go into this mode of existence where, where it's not healthy. Second Kings verse 6 from the scripture describes an event where, where a person was feeling that. Let's go with me to 2 Kings chapter 6. Some of those uh, some of us who grew up in church will be familiar with this story. It's one of those awesome stories that, that I really like. I really like Elijah and Elisha's story. They're like very whoa, awesome, you know. So I'll skip the part where, where Elijah throws a stick and then the axe floats. That's amazing. That's like King Arthur stole that from the Bible. Um, if you don't know, King Arthur's sword, Excalibur, throw, and then same thing happened. Copy from the Bible, right? But the second story of, um, from verse 8. So the king of Syria was warring against Israel. He took on counsel with his servants, saying, As such and such a place shall be my camp. So they're deciding how they're going to attack Israel, right? In verse 8, verse 9. But the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, Beware that you do not pass this place. For the Syrians to go in there. So there was somebody who's involved who's helping the Israelite army. And the king of Israel sent to the place about which the men of God told him, thus he used to warn him so that he saved himself there more than once or twice. So again and again it happens. They're in this war, and one side has a like spy on their side, and this spy gets his information not from his spy network, but from God. And so Israel's winning the battle one after another, avoiding being attacked one after another. And the mind of the king, verse 11, of Syria, was greatly troubled because of this thing. He's like, how come? What's happening? And he called his servants, and said to them, will you not show me who of us is for the king of Israel? He said, where is the spy? Tell me who among my court is that spy who's leaking this information. And one of, verse 12, one of his servants said, none, my lord, O king. There's no spy but Elisha the prophet who is in israel tells the king of israel the words that you speak in your bedroom he said this god is only present that he can hear what you say in secret and in his will protect to protect israel tells the king of israel so he sent horses and chariots a great army and they came by night and surrounded the city where elisha lived verse 14 verse 15 when a servant of the man of god rose early in the morning and went out behold an army of horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, alas, my master, what shall we do? The horses and the chariots that they faced were real soldiers. And it's very clear when that happens, they, they siege the city, they're going to kill somebody. We don't face real horses or chariots today in Singapore. But our enemy is scarier. You can't even see it. It's the virus. But above the virus is our fear and our anxiety. Invisible enemies are the scariest. And when you see them, you're like, what do I do? And the servant of Elisha was paralyzed. To put it in modern terms, he was freaking out. He saw the enemies and he saw the the horses and the chariots. And he's like, we're going to die. I and mean, this is one of my favorite verses underline my scripture. In verse 16, it says, Elisha said, Do not be afraid. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. At times like this, it is easy for us, Christians, non-Christians, to be lost in our focus. And especially for Christians to forget God. Yes, the enemies are invisible. It's so strange to me, like, this fear, this virus is invisible, but we truly believe it exists, right? And people tell me, I can't believe in God because I can't see him. Our God has been invisible in our physical sense first. If there's a playing ground where the invisible people fight, he's there first. And it's easy to forget that we worship a God that is real. It's easy to forget why we gather as a community. It's not because we just like each other. Of course we like each other. It's not just because we are friends. It's not just because of habits. It's because we're here to worship a God who lives. And is still active in the church today. It is easy for us to be paralyzed by the fear of uncertainty. But God lives amongst uncertainty. Then Elisha prayed, verse 17, and said, i scripture reading for today. O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. This is the same as Elisha's like fire from heaven moment, you know. It's not that God is not there. It's not that God is not present in our troubles. God never said He'll take away the trouble. He never said He'll just remove it and keep your life smooth sailing. But He says when you go through it, I'll be there and conquer it together. But we need to first ask our God to show us how, where is He? Needs, we need to go to God and say, God, open my eyes to see how you are already working. See, the chariots of horses and uh, uh, houses and chariots of fire were not there after the enemies came. That's why Elisha was not worried. They were there all along. Elisha could see, the servant couldn't. And he's not wrong. But then he says, now, see, put your faith in the principles and consistency of the God that we worship. I believe he put those promises in the scripture that we need to claim now. Our God doesn't sleep. I like that. Our God doesn't change. I like that. But most important, our God loves us. I like that. This is, um, it's called Biosphere 2. Uh, it's called Biosphere 2 because Earth is supposedly Biosphere 1. It's in Tucson, Arizona. It was a, a project by the American scientists where they, they, they're thinking, if one day we're going to move out of Earth to like Mars, we need to create an environment where humanity can be self-sustaining. So this place was built so that... Um, that everything inside should grow and be self-sustaining, and all the scientists involved in this project have to be locked in this building, this whole en- entire space, with no windows, you can't get out, right? It's not, it's not, unless it's an emergency, for two years. And so they tried to create space, they had to create oxygen. So they brought plants, and then they planted the plants, and we're able to grow. Uh, the first time, it was a disaster, because they were learning, it's a science project, they learned it really bad and the people who stayed together in the biosphere too ended up hating each other except for two who got married. Oh. Praise God. Okay. So they learned from the first experiment and then the second experiment they, they went back again. Now it's only for nine months. Nine months and uh, with the lessons learned and then they applied the principle trying to live. And this time it did kind of flourish. It, it, it did very well. Um, Uh, Of course, uh, the project ended prematurely due to other circumstances. In fact, it is still open today in Tucson, Arizona. You can go visit this place. uh, It's a museum now. Um, But what happened, one thing they noticed, although the oxygen was promising, the plant was growing, it was water was being regenerated. It created their own uh, weather pattern inside this building. It's amazing, right? There's rain and there's all that stuff. Um, One thing that they noticed is that the fruits would, would never ripen. especially fruits that's on trees, will will never ripen because this biosphere is so well constructed. One thing they couldn't recreate was wind. They can't cause wind to happen because there's no outlet and inlet. Uh, Although there was a weather pattern, the wind was not something they could create. And so they realized that because the wind was not present in the biosphere too, um, the, the trees and the leaves and the branches were not blown by the wind. Yeah? And so they were not strengthened to be strong enough to hold on to the fruit that when they ripen, they're too heavy, so they drop them prematurely. Interesting, hey? And I think that's that's something we can learn. You know, in a protected environment, it's not always good. In fact, for the trees to be healthy and strong, Going to live up to their potential and for the fruits to be able to be held on by the branches to full ripency, ripency is such a word, uh, uh, to be fully ripe, uh, they had to go through a period of time before the fruits came where the branches had to suffer being blown by the wind. They don't understand, they have to hold on for their life, Re- didn't realize that that's because afterwards they have to hold on to fruits. And the training came when they were holding on to themselves during the wind. And the church is going through a tough time. We're going through a time where I think the winds are blowing strong. But I don't think this is the end. But I think it's preparing us for something. The, the solution, or no, sorry, the one way that people can deal with anxiety is this idea of Differentiation. Differentiation, when, you, when you're in, in the midst of anxiety, when you don't know what to do, uh, uh, psychologists uh, uh, suggest that you should look at this idea, being a differentiated person. Uh, what do they do? Differentiation is a process in which a person moves toward a more intentional and thoughtful way of life. So instead of functioning all from what they call the lower brain, it's just re- emotion and reacting and being afraid. It's like go, go up here and just think through things before you act. A less automatic way of functioning. A differentiated person thinks clearly. So they catch themselves before they act emotionally and go just react. They, they think clearly. They act not by circumstance. They're not reactive. They act by the principle they've pre-decided. These are the principles that's going to guide me in my life. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to act according to those principles. Come to know more about our own instinctive reaction. So know yourself. What triggers you? What causes you to react? What causes you to go to anxiety? Realize that. And when it happens, notice that. Learn to regulate these reactions. Don't just give in to the reaction. Regulate them. Realize. Okay, I'm being triggered because this is my thing. I don't act out on it immediately. I think. What's my principle? The sixth, what helps a person who's in anxiety to be in contact with others and choose a responsible cause of action and sometimes those choices are not something that we can do by ourselves but it's because the community helps us make those good choices they remind us of the principle we chose you know one of the things that growing up especially during um, university was people, friends, the group of friends people dating the wrong person there was a, a constant thing where, where guys would go for the same kind of girls all the time that is, and end up in this Awful breakup. And if you had a friend like that, you will realize that everybody else saw it coming. They saw the train wreck. They saw the train. Then the worst thing is, you see the train come again. New girlfriend, exactly the same as the old one. Modified, but the same. Different color, but the same. Train wreck coming. Then the guy come. Why do I always, the girl's always like that why are all the girls, they hate me? (laughs) Then the the guys who are not involved, of course, say, because you always pick the same kind of girls, (laughs) ah. I don't, they're all different. Different. Then we list out traits. Exactly the same. Then we say, bro, let's act on principle, right? Let's not choose girls with all these 10 traits again. Can you pick five next time? Don't 10, five. Next train come again, same train. <whistles> girls hate me, I hate girls. No, we hate you. You, you always go and do the same thing, and then you come and complain. So we help them, right? And we, we say, let's make, make a list. So it's not real, it's not new. I've been through it myself too. You need the community to help you. You need a bro who like slap you. So I gave permission. When I was going through the same And I said, bro, if I do that again, just punch my face. He literally did. He came right just out of nowhere. Oh, oh, you hit me. He's like, you called me to hit you? Eh? That moment just showed me, oh, yeah. Oh, really? That's a punch-worthy thing? Punch-worthy relationship? Yes. Oh, got me really thinking. How about the church? How can we be a differentiated church in this time? What are the principles that's going to guide us that in our interaction with others? Are we just going to go into lockdown and shut ourselves out and not connect connect the world with the world? Does the world not need Jesus now because there's coronavirus, COVID-19? I think they need Jesus all the more. The people who are worried, I get calls from strangers. Who I don't know how, who are, who they are. They says, "Can I just talk to the pastor?" And they tell me, you know, something I'm maybe stuck at home, they don't know what to do, and something I'm really stressed and worried, something I'm maybe losing a job, and especially after this week, I'll call some people like, I got nowhere to stay, what do I do, pastor? I'm going to go back to Malaysia, I'm not going to have any income for two weeks, I'm not going to feed my kids, what can I do? People need Jesus. And God has chosen the church to be his representation the world who needs us now. Yes, it's very easy to go, I want to protect myself and shut myself in and just cut myself off the world until this whole thing blows over. But there's also times like this where God says, hey, my church needs to be my church. A lot of people like to be like, you know, the church is the chosen people of God we are being elected to, to, to be the special people who God has recognized and we, we serve Him. But you know, the purpose of the election is service. And when this is withheld, Election loses its meaning. The church is not chosen to be in this privileged state of thinking, I am so good, I got Jesus, you don't, too bad. No, the purpose, the definition of the church being the elect of God is to serve. The moment we give the service up, we give out our election. So, right now, As we've even today, thanks to Daniel who helped me out for a few hours yesterday, man. We all built muscles. He built a lot of back muscles and arm muscles. Um, We're promoting social distancing. Yeah, that's that's we're trying. It's not the silver bullet. It's part of the whole package to try and fix this. But we're not promoting social isolation. There is a reason why isolation is a punishment in prison. It's not normal. And that's why now if you these videos have been watching some videos online, people can't stand it. They can't stand isolation. In Italy, you know, this guy will go to his roof and then he'll he'll exercise with the whole block and then everybody will follow from the from the balcony and then and then there's this guy in China in Wuhan who held his first ever personal concert. So he he took a really big speaker, I don't know why he has it, and he pointed at the block across from him. At night, and then he's just like, guys, I'm just gonna sing, join me. And then he started singing, and then lights started turning on. And people think in Singapore will be like, shut up, go and sleep, right? Right, right. No! People started taking their phones and were like waving to him. And then the whole block started singing the song that they all know, singing together. Isolation is not normal. We need interaction. We need each other. We need community. And so the church right now is challenged to, to find creative way to be the church despite the need to be distancing ourselves from one another. We have something called the WhatsApp, right? Is there somebody who just needs you to check up on them and say, how are you doing? There's somebody who can you just give a call? Hey, how is it in the LOA? Or how is it like, you know, commuting to work? And you know, how is it like that you can't spend time with your family? The frontline workers have to take a lot more risk than us. They face the risk firsthand, and then they worry about bringing that risk home to their family. And so because of that, some of them have chosen to isolate themselves from interacting too much with the family. That's not fun. Maybe they need some encouragement from us. Maybe there's someone who's stuck and have no food. Have, yeah, and can't afford grab food every day, every meal. Maybe you can bring food to these people who needs your help. Is there someone that the church needs to notice apart from just ourselves? Isaiah 52, verse 7 says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, Your God reigns. I believe all your feet are very beautiful. And scriptures say, beautiful feats are the ones who bring the the, the gospel of peace and salvation to those. Peace is not the absence of problems. Peace is having, knowing that our God exists in the midst of this craziness. And there's someone out there who you have influence over, you are connected to, who needs to hear that and needs you to be that voice. So church, as we end today, go home and be the church. Don't just go home. Ask the Holy Spirit to challenge you, to remind you if is there anybody who today, if of any day today, you need to connect with. May not even be in Singapore. Maybe someone in Italy. Maybe someone in China. Maybe someone in the United States. Somebody in in Europe that is facing this, someone in South Korea. They just need you to say, hey, how are you doing? Is there something I can pray for you? Is there something I can send to you? Is there a need that you have? Be the church because I know you are the church.